I think when we're raising our bilingual, shaping our bilingual child, you have to take so many different things into account. It's not mm-hmm. just the language. It's not just the culture. You know, and especially as, you know, the older people in your family, as they pass on, you know, you don't want them to lose what that grounding was. Just normalizing it because that's how I grew up. You know, my parents would listen to cumbia. People would come over. They were speaking Spanish. My mother was talking, you know, speaking Spanish to her sister on the phone. It just becomes normal. It's everywhere. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't feel like a big deal because it's just normal. Like, doesn't everyone speak Spanish? You are listening to episode 444 of the Latina Mom Legacy podcast. Are you a Latina mom that wants to raise a bilingual child? Do you want to feel connected to other moms like you? In this episode, we look back at 2022 and how these Latina moms are raising bilingual children. Join us as we talk about struggles, fears, mistakes, and what has and hasn't worked for these moms. Bilingual parenting is unique for every family. From raising children that don't speak English when they start school to moms raising bilinguals when their Spanish isn't strong, we cover many different scenarios. Grab your cafecito so you can start relating. Así que no te lo pierdas. You're listening to the Latina Mom Legacy Podcast, where we empower moms raising bilingual kids, talk about growing up Hispanic and tradiciones, and celebrate motherhood. It's time to keep it real, learn tips and tricks from other moms like you, and start creating a legacy your abuela would be proud of. If you're a Latina mom or have a multicultural family like mine, then you're in the right place. I am your host, proud immigrant daughter, rock star wife, and mom to now six-year-old Victoria Grace, my legacy founder and cafecito lover, Jenny Perez. Hola, hola. ¿Cómo estás? I hope that you're doing well and I hope that life is treating you kind. Welcome to another episode of the Latina Mom Legacy Podcast. I am your host, Jenny Perez. Ya se acaba el año. And I wanted to end the year by inspire, inspiring you to enter the new year as a Latina mom in your bilingual parenting journey. Today, we are listening back to many guests that we've had over the past year. And over the next hour or so, we'll hear about their journey raising bilinguals, their struggles, their successes, and really their inspiration. My hope is that you get three things from today's podcast. One, understand that every bilingual parenting journey is unique, including yours. When you hear Jen Hempill's experience as a military mom, talk about unique. Two, we all make mistakes and you're going to feel guilty. When you hear Sandra Velasquez share about the guilt she felt for only speaking Spanish to her daughter, you get it. There is always going to be something that you didn't do or did too much of that may bring up feelings of perhaps not being the best parent that you could be, but know that it's muy normal that you're doing the best that you can. Finally, understand that it's not going to be perfect and your expectations may have to change as your child grows. Take, for example, Valeria Aloe, who insisted that her children speak solo español, but was taught a very valuable lesson by her daughter. I can't wait to share these stories and so many more. Grab your cafecito. It's time to learn a few things from these Latina moms doing their best to raise hijos bilingües, así como tú y yo. Chao, chao. Our first mom is Jancy Contreras. Jancy Contreras was in episode 404, starting the new year, Cinco Claves para Organizar Tu Hogar Un Paso a la Vez. Jancy is a Latina mom of two. She's She's a life coach in the making. And in this interview, she gives us tips for those parents who are raising teens in terms of language learning. This was our first interview of the year in Espanol. Check it out. 
tengo dos hijos y los cuales este, pues están en la edad de adolescentes y <risa> aprendo mucho, <risa> aprendo mucho. Y este, bueno, uh, llevo ya 20 años de, um, en una relación eh, con, mi, con mi pareja. Wow, wow. Cuéntame de tus hijos, porque tus hijos, varón y hembra. Sí, eh, mi hijo tiene, va, está por cumplir 18 años y oh, la niña cara, también, oh ya, en, ya en este mes cumple 14. Así que es, es una edad donde ellos ya están uh, buscando quién son, identificarse, qué les gusta, qué, qué quieren estudiar, todo eso. Así que estamos en, en ese proceso ahorita. Y cuéntame, ¿cómo, ¿cómo ha sido el proceso educando los bilingües? ¿Ellos hablan español? ¿Se practican español? o ¿Cómo ha sido sí. ese proceso para, para ustedes en su casa? Bueno, ellos hablan español, de repente un poco más spanglish que, que puro español, pero sí lo practican. Este, mi esposo es mexicano y yo soy hondureña, así que tienen mucha más oportunidad de practicarlo sobre todo porque somos como bien familiares. Tratamos de usar cualquier oportunidad, cumpleaños, días festivos, para reunirnos, preparar algunos platillos que, de los cuales disfrutamos, jugar como la lotería o juegos que son típicos para, para nuestra cultura y este, contar chistes y de esa manera convivimos y practican su, su español. Chévere, qué chévere. Y entonces tus hijos, ahorita que tienen 14 y 18 años, ellos toman español en la casa, no en la escuela, no en el no, colegio. No en, bueno, la, la niña si lleva español este año, fue el, el primer año que ya le tocó tomar español, uh -huh. pero el niño lo llevó por dos años, este año tomó, a él le gusta lo que son los, no, eh, todo lo que es sistemas de computación y todo eso, entonces se enfocó en lo que son clases de, para ingeniero en sistemas. Uh -huh pero este, lo siguen practicando, sobre todo con sus primos y todo, porque la verdad que se divierte, los chistes los sienten mejor en español, tú sabes. Ajá. Es que es verdad, es que hay palabras que no tienen traducción en, uh -huh. en inglés, que, que sí. solamente son, por ejemplo, la palabra eh, trasnochar, y uh -huh. estoy trasnochado, en inglés no existe, sí. I, I, I was up late. No, porque volviendo al tema de la cultura que, que nos gusta tanto parrandear, festejar, que esa palabra, el trasnocho, no existe sí. en inglés. O sí, sea, es que hay palabras palabra. que solamente uno las dice y la verdad que se saborean de una manera. Que... <risa> Muy interesante es eso increíble. Con, con el lenguaje. Jensi, algunas recomendaciones eh, para las mamás que nos están escuchando, que quizás ya que tus hijos están mayores, y ya que tú puedes decir que realmente son bilingües y ahora que compartes que entienden los chistes y se los sienten mucho en, en español, ¿qué recomendación tienes para las mamás escuchando que quieren criar hijos bilingües pero quizás no pueden ver sus hijos a, a los 18 años, o quizás ahorita tienen simplemente dos, tres añitos, cuatro? Eh, ¿Qué recomendaciones les, tienen para, les tienes para ellas? Pues yo pienso que es consistencia y darse el permiso de, de, de repente, cuando ellos están, sobre todo cuando entran a la escuela, a veces tratan de como no hablarlo mucho, aunque uno les esté insistiendo, no lo hacen con tanta consistencia, pero lo importante es seguir, seguir y no, no dejarlo de hacer, porque en algún momento ellos van a empezar a disfrutar de esa cultura, Todas las culturas son hermosas y, y pues aprende uno mucho, pero hay algo en la cultura este, latina que, 
que de verdad nos hace llevar una alegría por dentro y disfrutar uh -huh. de cada instante, que es muy bonito que ellos lo, lo puedan seguir. Y aunque de repente ellos como que pongan un poquito de resistencia cuando tienen más amiguitos, digamos, que hablan más uh -huh. inglés y todo, pero seguir inculcándole lo que son los juegos, lo que son las películas o cuestiones que van como fortaleciendo lo que es la cultura. Porque en algún momento ellos lo, lo van a recordar y van a disfrutar de todo eso también. Sí, yo creo que, por ejemplo, en, en mi caso cuando yo, yo estuve creciendo, Así mismo, mi, mis padres hablaron español en la casa, todo, o sea, mucha consistencia, mucha práctica, pero llegó un momento que eh, cuando ya yo estaba un poquito más mayor, que, que sí hubo más resistencia, ¿por qué? ¿por qué? ¿por qué? Uh -huh. Y como que se aleja uno eh, y quiere ser quizás más americano, you know, uh -huh. American or, or, quizás por, mm, por la misma motivo que uno es como, como teenager, entonces, un poquito, tiene un poquito más de rebeldía. Eh, claro, sí. en mi caso yo era, eh, al punto que, que regresé de Colombia aquí, ya yo, ya yo tenía 17 años, uh -huh. entonces empezaba mi college. Entonces, cuando empecé el college, como que dejé como el español a un lado, y más uh -huh. que me fui de mi casa y todo. Entonces, fue cuando tuve a mi hija que como que volví otra vez a regresar a... Más a la a cultura, más al español, más... Especialmente cuando uno nace eh, o se cría aquí, eh, uh -huh. tiene esa tendencia como de alejarse de un poco del español o de la cultura. Y después, sí. como a, a medida que uno va madurando, uno regresa. Y después, yo me siento ahora tan feliz, tan contenta de, de que mis padres eh, hicieron tanto esfuerzo para uh -huh. nosotros. Sí, que la esperanza de, de que mi hija también disfrute y que uh -huh. conozca su, su cultura y... Sí, fíjate que um, yo inicialmente cuando mis hijos fueron creciendo era puro español y llegaron antes de entrar a pre-k, hablaban un español muy bonito, uh -huh. tan clarito, tan, y yo me quedaba, wow, van a, este, a mantener los dos idiomas con una claridad y van a poderse comunicar muy bien, entraron a la escuela y lo empezaron a como hablar un poco al revés. Como que en su mente lo empezaron a traducir. Y ya, sobre todo en la edad de adolescencia, fue cuando yo sentí pues, más resistencia a, a lo que es mantener el, el idioma como primera lengua. ¿no? Pero ahorita que mi hijo ya empieza pues, a ver que ya él quiere empezar con, con nuevos proyectos o empezar un trabajo, eso, él está viendo la importancia del del inglés. Aparte, otra cosa muy curiosa, él cuando habla en frente de sus amigos, él me habla a mí en español. Mm, porque, <ríe> tú eres la persona, y, y él sabe que tú entiendes inglés, pero que, como que se crió con eso, entonces automáticamente hace ese, hace ese cambio. Sí, él, él le digo, ¿es porque me quieres hablar español o no quieres que tus amigos se enteren qué es lo que me estás diciendo? <ríe> Pero otra cosa que te voy a decir, que después cuando él, él empiece a trabajar eh, uh -huh. y él haga ese checkbox de eh, languages, de idiomas, eh, eso es orgullo, porque uno sabe que sí. cuando uno le hace el checkmark, que uno habla inglés, español y cualquier otro idioma, que uh -huh. eh, tiene el potencial de, de ganar más dinero. Sí, sí, realmente es, es una gran oportunidad y una una herramienta que ayuda a abrir muchas más puertas en, en la vida de ellos. Jensi, muchas gracias por compartir eh, tus experiencias con nosotros. De nada, Jen. 
The next mama on my list is Dr. Divina Lopez. She's a Latina mom, a pediatrician. She was on episode 413, Being a Better You for Yourself and Your Baby. She is the perfect example for those who grew up with parents that didn't speak Spanish to them. She teaches us that it's never too late to learn a language. Check it out. And you have uh, you have a son, right? That's right. He's nine years old. He's a, a wonderful, spunky little boy, and um, he's living with autism. So you know that that's another challenge mm-hmm. um, for me as a parent. It's something that I, I like. I say he's my he's my best teacher. He mm-hmm. really is my best teacher, and I'm really so lucky to have him in my life because what I have learned from that little boy in nine years is mm-hmm. something that I would have never in my life like learned in school or anything like that like you really need to have this experience it's, it's wonderful and it's beautiful I can imagine and I'm sure it comes with its own challenges and its own set of unique challenges now how how do you guys celebrate your like Puerto Rican culture are are you actively trying to raise him bilingual so I've always been very, very connected with my culture. You know, I, I wish I was fluent in Spanish. I think I'm, I'm a pretty like typical New Yorkian where we speak <laughs> a lot of Spanglish. So I've always understood it. Uh, I think probably more so because like my grandmother really only spoke Spanish, mm-hmm. but she would like speak to me in Spanish. I would speak to her in English and we understood each other. And I also mm-hmm. have an aunt that's like, that's who that she only speaks Spanish. But so I understood it for most like very young, I, I, I understood Spanish. And then uh, I became a salsera when I was like, teenager. <laughs> yeah, so then like through music, I learned mm-hmm. Spanish, my parents did not speak Spanish to me. So they spoke really? Spanish to each other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the reason why is, so my dad felt like when he came over, he was criticized a lot because mm-hmm. his English wasn't very good. Yeah. And so he didn't want the same thing to happen to me. Mm-hmm, so they didn't mm-hmm. prioritize like teaching me Spanish, which is very common, actually. Mm-hmm. But it was so unfortunate because I'm like, oh, you guys have no idea. You missed an opportunity, you know, because children learn so well when they're young. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and and so like my accent is not that great and I get embarrassed by it. And I think sometimes that's what holds me back. Mm. But to be like completely honest, I feel like for myself, it was my patients who started teaching me Spanish. Mm. So, you know, they would just be so grateful that they had like a Latina doctor and mm-hmm. that I wanted to help them and that I, I would say things, you know, all, all weird, but they were, they were very good about teaching me and I learned and I wanted to learn for them, right? Because those are the people I want to serve. And then with my son, naturally, because I primarily listen to Spanish music, mm-hmm. It's always on in my house because I am a dancer and I gravitate towards Spanish music, right? And all of our family parties, that's all we play. Like, like you know, there's, there's hardly any English music, right? We, we all dance and we dance to Spanish music. So mm-hmm. it was always like around in my home. My, my son always grew up with the music on. So he listened to it and I would try to get him to watch like Spanish cartoons if we if mm-hmm. we wanted to watch a video I would try to put it on in Spanish we always bought like Spanish books and so that was the way I was able to introduce him to the Spanish language itself right mm-hmm. like I told you we are living in a blended family so mm-hmm. I got divorced when he was two years old his dad is with someone who also is a Latina when they had their baby their baby only speaks Spanish. Mm-hmm. So okay. my son's little sister 
primarily speaks Spanish, hardly any English, so he yeah. has to. He's kind of forced, you know. Oh, that's there. good for him, though. So, yeah, I'm very happy, mm-hmm. so I'm grateful for that because he has to, whether he wants to or not, he has to learn little things here and there. And then, of course, at school, you know, they, they're very good about teaching it here. But you know, that's how we do it. And and culturally, I feel like that was never an issue for me. Culturally, mm-hmm. I always embrace my culture. I'm very proud of being Puerto Rican. You know, I think most Puerto Ricans are very proud. Yeah. Um, I try to go back as much as possible. Now, has your son been to Puerto Rico? Yes, of course. Yes. And his dad is Dominican. He's been to Dominican Republic and, you know, and to Puerto Rico. We totally are very culturally close to our roots. That's awesome. And does he have an impression of like the trips? Like, has he shared with you anything like special that he remembers from either places? I think it's the beach. Like the beach is what mm. makes the biggest impression on him. Uh, for me too, I, I just I, right? I, adore the, <laughs> I adore the beach. It's my it's my happy space. It's where mm-hmm. I find peace. He's a big lover of like whales, and so mm-hmm. uh, the humpback whales are always in Puerto Rico and stuff. So he he loves that also. But I think he does have like some special memories of like even old San Juan stuff like that. You know, even like with Three Kings, mm-hmm. my mom is very good. Like my mother is very into into the Three Kings. So. She's very good about teaching him those traditions also. So nice. Yeah, I think, you know, that helps him to understand like what's going on over there. He, he thought it was like Christmas all over again. And he wanted to put the, <laughs> the grass on the bed and leave the, you know, everything for the camels. Um, so I think that that's cute. And I'm happy that he he's growing up with that. That's important. Thank you so much for sharing. No problem. The next mom on my list is Valeria Aloe. She's an award-winning Latina author. She was on episode 409, Uncolonized Latinas, How Latinas Can Transform Their Mindset. And in this interview, she talks about how setting a solid language foundation can empower your teens in terms of language so that they can decide when and how to use the language. Check it out. Let's talk a little bit about your family. So you have, uh, your background is from Argentina and now, are your children, are they born in Argentina or are they born here in the U.S.? Born here, both. They're, yes. they're, they're bo- both born here. And now the million dollar question, are you raising them bilingual? Yes. Yes. And they have adopted the language differently. So I have to say my, my daughter prefers to communicate in English mostly. Mm-hmm. She's switching she switch between English and Spanish. My son speaks more Spanish. He's a football soccer Mm-hmm. lover so it's all about you know he's he's a uh, very Argent- argentinian i have to say <laughs> and yes and given that our families are in argentina they have to speak spanish because that's the only way to communicate con los abuelos mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about your journey raising them now that they're 13 and 14 like what was it like in the early years versus what is it like now so the early years were all about speaking spanish um, eating argentinian food getting them into our, our culture because mm-hmm. both my husband and I are from Argentina. So, and we were always proud of our roots and our culture. So we wanted our kids to embrace it. And we also saw that as a need for them to connect with the family in Argentina, for them to keep the roots, for them to, to have that sense of family, even though we're, you know, we have a distance between mm-hmm. us. I just wanted them to be as close to the culture as, as we could. To give you an example, Jenny, when my son went to actually when both my, my two kids went to, to daycare, I had to bring a piece of paper that said that leche is milk, mm-hmm. agua is water, because, you know, the caregivers didn't speak Spanish, but my kids could ask for leche or agua. 
and they, you know, they didn't know how to speak English. Really, Spanish was the first language. And I am very excited about that because now we got to the point that they navigate the two cultures, their brain can manage the two, the two languages. And it has changed to your point of how is it now compared to when it was they were little. Now they are making their own decisions. Now they, mm-hmm. they decide if they want to communicate with me in English or in Spanish, or you know, some words really come to them faster and easier in English, some others in Spanish. And it's about walking with them through the process and allowing them mm-hmm. to, to make their choices, not to force or impose and allow mm-hmm. them to explore because I didn't want to create any resentment. I want them to be proud, to be happy about who we are in our culture. So to allow them to choose how they want to communicate and to you know, not make them feel that there is something wrong about them. You know, that, that has been mostly now in the closer to the teenage years, allow that exploration. That's wonderful. I absolutely agree 100% that uh, we want to encourage, but we don't want to force. I was, I can say I was forced to speak Spanish because in our house, it was like, en esta casa solo se habla español. And sometimes uh, you do create a little bit of resentment in the child because as it is, as kids, you kind of want to go against what your parents, you know, a little bit of that authority, but encouraging is, is definitely the way to go. So in your home, as they were growing up, both your husband and you spoke to the kids only in, in Spanish? Yes, yes. And I have to say that I also said in this house, we only speak Spanish. I used to say that a lot. And that created a lot of resistance. Mm-hmm. My daughter particular, particularly would say, mom, you need to understand that the world outside of this house speaks in English. And sometimes it's easy for me, easier and faster to talk in English. And in the beginning, I resisted that as well. I was like, I want you to speak perfect Spanish. And, you know, it created resentment and I started to allow her. And this is my husband also saying, why don't we allow her to express the way she wants? Because she was trying to communicate something to us. And I was interrupting Mm -hmm. her like, oh, no, no, speak in Spanish. Here we speak in Spanish. And I could just interrupt whatever she was sharing. And then she stopped sharing with us. So we started to allow and that changed the dynamics, even of our relationship, I have to say. Oh, I love that. That's very empowering because I think that sometimes we we're so hyper-focused on making sure that the language doesn't get lost, that the culture doesn't get lost. But we also fail to realize that, as you said, sometimes they there's a need for them to express themselves. And maybe they don't quite have the words to express themselves in Spanish or in whatever language that they're learning, that they need to uh, access those thoughts and those emotions quickly. Yeah. And with that interruption, we're blocking them. Estamos cerrando esas puertas de comunicación. And that's definitely something that we don't want because we really want to, if anything, open those doors of communication because as you very well know, it has been ingrained so much in our lives. Quédate calladita o calladitas es mejor. And we want to break that and allow them to express themselves. And, and that's definitely something that we're going to be talking about a little bit later on the show. Let's talk a little bit about your tradiciones. How are you embracing your, your Argentinian uh, traditions with your family? So it's all about, you know, the food and the sports. Yes, for sure, the sports. <laughs> yes, so we love soccer. I have to say that my husband never loved soccer, football. Oh, but really? because my son embraced the sport and my daughter from a young age, we became soccer lovers in his house. And we oh. even have a, uh, my husband was gifted by a, by a co-worker, a soccer ball signed by Messi. 
And oh, wow. Our, yes, y somos tan fanáticos that the <laughs> soccer ball is sitting in, next to my front door. So when you come to my house, the first thing you see is a soccer ball. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like a piece of art sitting there. So that's one. Soccer is what really brings us very close to our culture. And we watch soccer from any of our countries, really, even European soccer. And also the food, we keep, you know, traditions from our country, empanadas, milanesas, of course, asado, Argentinian mm -hmm. barbecue. Um, we really keep those traditions of, of how we share meals, the type of meals we share, definitely eating as a family together. I make mm -hmm. uh, an emphasis on that because I find that this culture that is about you know, sometimes kids eat earlier than their parents or at different times or because they have sports, but we make an effort really to be mm -hmm. intentional to, to sit down and talk and eat, which is something that, that I believe is very valuable from our cultures, that time as a family together, that dialogue and also fights sometimes. Why not? Yes, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. So have your kids been to Argentina? Yes, we go to Argentina every year to visit our family. So they started to go there when they were probably four months old. Oh, wow. Yes. They embrace the culture. They know that when they go there, they get a little spoiled by everybody, you know, mm -hmm. because it's we celebrate birthday parties, even though it may not be your birthday, we celebrate your birthday anyways. <laughs> everybody gets presents, time with family. We go for ice cream together. We love um, helado de dulce de leche, of course. Mm -hmm. So, you know... It's just an immersion in the culture and they look forward to that. It's our one year trip to, to see family and to be embraced by mm -hmm. our loved ones and our culture. And it's something that we look forward to every year. Oh, I love that. I'm going to be taking uh, my daughter to Colombia to uh, visit my extended family for the first time ever in her life. So I'm, wow. I'm super excited uh, and I'm making it a big deal. I'm making a, a big deal about it because I want her to have that experience because she just has like the pictures and the videos. And, you know, we talk to our family uh, all the time, but it's different than being immersed in the culture. So I, I can't wait yes. to share that experience with the, with her. That's amazing. Yes, I'm sure you will love it. And it's also so nice to observe our own kids, you know, navigating those experiences and being with family members that's, you know, hugging each other, kissing each other. And <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a blessing. Yeah. Yes. And uh, I'm sure I, I'm preparing her. I'm like, just be prepared for, for La Familia. It's, it's going to be loud all the time. <laughs> yes, and hugging and kissing and touching. That's what we do. Yes, I love it. <laughs> Valeria, thank you so much for sharing with us. The next Latina mom is Jocelyn Ramos Campbell. She was on episode 416, Autism Advocating, Speaking, and Preaching for Diverse Communities. In this interview, she talks about the struggles of living in a smaller city or town and sharing our language and culture with our kids. Check it out. I always like to ask this question to the moms. Are you raising your children bilingual or what are your struggles there? If yeah. Yeah. So definitely, you know, it always is a struggle to raise kids, you know, bilingual to remember them, to learn the roots of where they come from. We are very much. So I would say my oldest son picked it up much easier than mm -hmm. the, um, than the twins did my parents, they just passed away in 20, 2019, 2020, but oh, so sorry. they were, thank you. Um, but definitely we have been raised, um, there, we were their caregivers, especially in these last decade. And they were raised all of my children were raised 
um, with them. So they definitely, all of my kids like is Spanglish all the way through, <laughs> all the way through. <laughs> they understand, you know, and even the twins, like, they're like, but this is hard. I was like, yeah, but I tell them something in Spanish and it's, it's hilarious to me how they 100% understand what I said, okay. even though they say like, but why? And I'm like, even though I talk to them in Spanish, they're like, I'm like, how, how come you understood what I just said then? Huh? They're like, <laughs> they're like, yeah, they, they totally understand what I said. So yes, we are raising them by bi, uh, bilingually. And so what we want to do with them too, and especially as they get older in school is make sure that they are taking those Spanish classes, you know, mm-hmm. so they understand it even proper Spanish correctly. And it is a struggle because, you know, when you know how you speak Spanglish at home, and mm-hmm. then when you get to school, you want them to learn the correct and proper enunciation of things. Right. Um, but it always is because you don't want them to lose the culture. You don't want them to mm-hmm. lose that, you know, and especially as, you know, the older people in your family, as they pass on, you know, you don't want them to lose what that grounding was. You don't want them to, when they go on, you don't want them to lose that, what made that part of your family special. So that is something that, you know, we we are always constant. We're always constant, even with my husband's family, you know, as older people, you know, as they pass on, we don't want them to forget those roots. So Mm -hmm. that is something that we're constantly always remembering, you know, and so, and it's, and it's great that we live in, in kind of that modern technology where you can look things up, you know, if you don't live in, you know, um, in the, you know, in the big city anymore, you know, if you don't have access to those, you know, to the culture and you don't have access to that, that you can find things online and you can look things up and those things can still be um, generated still in your household. Where are you living now? Are you in New York now? No, I'm not in New York. So I'm in Orlando, right outside of Orlando, outside of Disney World, Mickey Mouse Land. So, <laughs> so that's, you know, so that is a cult. It's great because it is, um, it's, you know, when you're from New York, you know how that is when you're um, living in New York and everything is like you used to always go to Orlando for like, you know, holidays and, and vacation. Right. So that's always like, I feel like New York living, coming in Orlando is like the home away from home for New Yorkers. <laughs> like It is, vacation. it is. It is. It's so um, so it's like a second home for us here, um, growing up here, but you know, it is, it is something different because when you're up North, you have access to everything. Everything is there, the culture, the museums, everything is just at your fingertips. So when you do take a step back and you're not in the major cities anymore, you really have to be more intentional for the culture mm-hmm. You really do because everything is not there. So when you are raising children and you're thinking about that, now you're like, okay, well, now I really do have to be like, there's not the, you know, New York, you know, the New York history museum is not right there. Natural history museum is not there anymore. So you really do have to be more intentional. You really do have to go to audible. You've got to go to Amazon. You've got to go to the library. You really have to be more intentional about what you want to do for your kids to raise them and have that conscientiousness about being more diverse and bringing diversity into your home it's a lot more planning because it's not like we get spoiled by the big cities where you can just go to specific neighborhoods and maybe pick up uh, just a few ingredients or if you're cooking something special but if you're not if you don't have that as um excessively then you have to order online and right you know plan ahead and make sure that you know you don't miss that that window like even something as simple for me like growing up like 
which is funny because my, you know, who I ended up marrying, but like the New York, um, the St. Patty's day parade, you know, for mm-hmm, us, mm-hmm. that yeah. was something I went to all the time. Like you could not tell me growing up, I was not Irish, you know, like that was, <laughs> there was no way you were not going to tell me that, you know, it was part of just something we did. My father and I, we walked in it with his job. We used to uh, walk in it. And I mean, I remember being on floats with it, you know, with his job and everything. I mean, it was part of the culture. I remember handing out flyers with it in green. I wore green every March 17th. <laughs> like it was part of it, you know? And I mean, and it was something that I felt so much my, like, you know, my mom, you know, she would make Cornish beef hands like on March, like on, in March. It's funny. <laughs> I mean, it was just part of us, you know, and yeah, we were Puerto Rican and Cuban, but sure enough, we had corned beef hands <laughs> and we had like all this stuff, you know, and it was just part of what we did in March. And but this was part of like diversity. Like we grew mm-hmm. up in, you know, in that. And my father had like Irish friends and Polish friends and people that he gave jobs to, and you know, because of, of the jobs that he had and and he and he worked with. And it was something that was just so normal because of what where we lived, you know. So right. when you think about when I think about that growing up, that just seemed totally normal to me, you know. Mm-hmm. And now when we, you know where we live here, it's something like no, my children not exposed to that, you know? So it it really is something that, you know, when I think about it now, I'm like, wow, you know, that was, you know, a wonderful thing to be exposed to. But now growing up, I really have to like, for my husband's sake, for my kid's sake, I really have to make an effort to do that because it's not something that is available to us, you know, where we live. And most people, unless you're living in a major city, you know, you really don't have that opportunity. Right. Right. Now have your kids uh, either been to Ireland or to Puerto Rico or they have been, um, to Puerto Rico, but they have not been to Ireland. That's something on their to-do list. Um, they, they really want to go over there. They're always, they do talk about it, something, a family trip that we want to go to. One of the things that, you know, which is really great that we like to see is, you know, when they have the Nat Geo and they have the uh, virtual VR and all of that, that they get Mm -hmm, to mm -hmm. do, they love seeing all of that. And that's really great. It's another great thing about technology Mm -hmm. is that that kind of brings all of that like live into your house. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that has been a way to kind of also keep the culture going um, because we've been able to just even things like um, being able to see ask like great grandparents or ask grandparents about, you know, where did you live? And where's, you know, um, you know, asking on ancestry.com, finding out this is where, Mm -hmm. you know, your great grandfather, this is the street where he was at. And this is, you know, where the Campbell name came from. And that, that has been like really making history alive to them. So that has been really great to find that out for them as well. So they're very excited about taking that trip. Uh, Jocelyn, thank you so much for sharing. Hey, I gotta ask you, are you trying to raise a bilingual child que habla español or have you just given up? Do you feel alone or frustrated in this journey? Do you think your child just doesn't want to learn or you don't have the time? Well, if that sounds like you, then the online course I created, How to Raise a Bilingual Child Practically, is for you. Por fin, a course by a mom for a mom. A course designed with you and your busy lifestyle in mind. One that you can take in the comfort of your home as early or as late as you want that will give you practical tools and take you through this bilingual parenting journey. 
I'm not gonna lie, I get vulnerable and take you down my own journey raising a multilingual child, but I offer you real takeaway tips, show you how to create and implement a plan that works for you, not fulanito or peranito, and offer you the secret to staying committed, consistent, and confident in this journey. Plus, so much more. So are you ready to take this journey with me? Are you ready to see your child hablar con sus abuelos? Are you ready to hear the words one day, Mami, Papi, gracias por este regalo del español. Yo espero que sí. Visit milegacy.com and click on courses to enroll today. Ahí te espero. The next Latina mom is Fabiola Warner. Fabiola Warner is a Latina mom. She is also a virtual Spanish teacher. She was on episode 425, How to Prevent Your Kids from Losing Their Spanish Once They Start School. And in this interview, she talks about understanding that there are different seasons in your child's language learning journey. Check it out. So you have three boys. Oh, yeah. I mean, the, they're superheroes. <laughs> how funny. So three it's boys, so one girl. How old are they? So my daughter, she's 13. Mm -hmm. And then my sons, I have one that's 11, almost 12, 10 years old, and a seven-year-old. So let's talk about how you have raised them uh, to be bilingual. They're bilingual. They get a little shy sometimes having to use their Spanish, depending on the situation, unless there's food. That's when all the Spanish comes out. <laughs> of course, of course. Oh, la comida rica, esto es delicioso, and et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, since they were born, we've always spoken to them in Spanish at home. And so we, in our house, we switched languages back and forth all day mm -hmm. long. Mm -hmm. and, and they do that a lot too. Mm -hmm. with certain words there's there's certain words that they prefer to say especially my daughter there are certain words that she prefers to say in Spanish than in English like food <laughs> absolutely and and I think sometimes you associate certain activities or things that you do with your heritage language because uh, like I always say like I curse and I pray in Espanol <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious like if I, if I start praying in English I'm like no it doesn't sound right it doesn't feel right I have to switch to Espanol and the same yeah, thing with cursing like with cursing siempre se me salen las palabras and I'm like <laughs> <just> listening <laughs> so let's talk about all the things that you've done with your children in terms of what's helped you in your bilingual parenting journey like what has what has been some hits and what has been some misses So some hits would be getting them involved in Latin culture, teaching them about Chilean culture, the food, mm -hmm. the music, the way of speaking. Mm -hmm. um, my daughter can recognize when she she's hearing somebody from Chile speaking mm -hmm. versus from other places. Uh, she's able to pick up on that. And I think that is pretty neat seeing that we live all the way here in the States, you know, and mm -hmm. the, only, the only Chilean Spanish that she really hears is mine at home and my husband's and my mom's too you know so that's been pretty neat that's been a pretty cool thing so one thing so when they were really little they didn't really care much for tv except for mickey mouse clubhouse you know so that was good enough mm -hmm. but then as they started growing older they wanted to watch more shows mm -hmm. and it was always in english and even though even if i attempted to play it in spanish like it just the sound is a little off And mm -hmm, it doesn't mm -hmm. match the, the words that they're right. mouthing, you know? And so that was one of their complaints. And so I was like, oh, I want them to enjoy this show they're, they're watching. So I put it in English. And mm -hmm. so then, of course, they pick up on more things in English than in Spanish. So it's, it's not a competition, but you have to be so intentional about providing all that input. Mm -hmm. And you have to get creative on how to do it because, okay, so they're interested in this kind of show. 
but the show is in English. What can I find that is also in Spanish, but it's, it's something that they're so right. interested in because you want to meet those interests, you know, and yeah. it's a way to bond with them and it helps them grow too when they have things they're interested in. And so, for example, with my daughter, she was always really interested in cooking and cookbooks mm -hmm. and things like that. So we get cooking books from the library and I tried to get some in Spanish as well for her mm -hmm. to read. And then she wanted to know uh, the history of chocolate. And so we discovered that chocolate is from Mexico. And mm -hmm. she was like, oh my goodness, that is so cool. Then she wanted to speak more Spanish because of that. And then it kind of just, we got, we got stuck right there for a little bit. Right. And so I'm like, okay, what's happening? What can I do? You know, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. then I learned about another cooking lady from Chile mm -hmm. and she does a show. And uh, so we watched that a few times and that helped to bridge the gap there. So, you know, was there a difference or do you see a difference between how your daughter learns versus how your sons learn the language? Well, with my second child, my first son, I don't remember him speaking a lot of English when he was very little because mm -hmm, <laughs> mm -hmm. he spoke mostly Spanish. And then he's actually the one that I'd say speaks Spanish the most right mm -hmm. now, followed closely by my third born. I, well, we try to uh, provide the same type of opportunities for them. You know, the, the same thing because we're always all together. Mm -hmm. So with my daughter now, I think she's almost 14. So mm -hmm. it, it's changed everything. You know, there's, as a teenager, they just, they're interested in other things or they, <laughs> they get more shy or like, do I really have to do this, you know? So they kind of start shine from what they always did mm -hmm, in the language. Mm -hmm. But meanwhile, my boys, they're still very eager to just go ahead and try it and they don't care, you know? But yeah. as a teenager, you worry more about the mistakes you're making. Oh, no, que me va a escuchar. O como lo estoy diciendo. And, right. all those. and so I think when we're raising a bilingual, shaping a bilingual child, you have to take so many different things into account. It's not mm -hmm. just the language. It's not just the culture, not just what you're sharing with them, but it's mm -hmm. who they are growing into, how they right. are developing and what their interests are how they're feeling, what season of life they're in. Mm -hmm. <laughs> because just like us as adults, we have, uh, we go through different seasons. They do too. Absolutely. So how do you navigate with her? Like uh, my daughter is only seven. So yes, that's Chiquita. I can't even imagine how she's going to be as a teenager. How do you pivot the language learning in your home to still make it relevant and interesting for her? So for her now, we're like playing a lot more music in Spanish. She likes Carlos Vives. <laughs> oh, so she loves it. I tried introducing uh, Alejandro Sanz and she was like, eh, not sure. She eh. likes the Spanish accent in Spanish because she hears the differences mm. between the, the accents. So that's pretty cool for me that she hears it. But it's just not her cup of tea right now. But she likes Carlos Vives, I guess, because he's more upbeat. Mm. And she likes Mana. Work. Have you introduced her to Mana? She likes Mana. <laughs> and she also <laughs> likes... She likes one song by uh, Los Enanitos Verdes. Pero tú viste que él murió? Sí, qué pena. Oh my God, I was like, no I, didn't... Vivo. I, vivo. I was like, wait, but I didn't know he was that old. I, I was like, well, he was young. He was like 61, 62 when he died. And he was only like yeah, two, three weeks ago. <laughs> no, he was really young. And when he, I, mean, I don't mean I... to laugh. It's like, but I just... 
No, I know, I know what you mean though. Apparently, he had some health issues all of a sudden. And but I mean, I thought he was like in his like late forties, early fifties. <laughs> like, I mean, I didn't think he was in his sixties. I was like, wait, he what? I was like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's really unfortunate. I mean, I I really hope that be able to see the Anita Verde's live at some point. Oh, but my. I've enjoyed their music, and I'll continue to enjoy it. And I am so happy my daughter is now liking them too. Because awesome. I think the Anita Verdes are pretty awesome. <laughs> that's that's awesome. That's awesome. I love that. Um, do you have any specific books, recommendations, shows, or anything that worked for you with your kids or has worked that you would recommend for the moms? There was a book I read a long time ago, um, Bilingual Edge. I thought that was pretty neat. Pretty neat book. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was really I haven't good. read that one. No? So, okay. definitely we'll add it to the to the list. Mhm. Yeah, and that book was recommended to me by one of my um master's degree teachers, so one of the from the linguistics department. So, mm. it was pretty good. It had some really good tips for the necessity of ensuring that we provide the input and so that the kids do the output. Mm-hmm. So, that was really really good. Uh Fabiola, thank you so much. Thank you. The next mom is Jen Hemphill. She's a Latina mom. She's a military spouse. She was on episode 425, Three Habits for Latinas to Build Money Confidence. And in this interview, we talk about the importance of establishing habits and language learning, but learning to be more accepting of your own journey. So you have two sons, 115 and 120. So let's talk about their language learning journey. So let's talk about them, Hablando Español, the struggles, what has worked, what hasn't worked, and where are you at now? With my oldest, interestingly enough, su primer idioma was Spanish. And why? Really? As we mentioned, we're a military family. So mm-hmm. when he was, he was barely one year old, we were mm-hmm. moved to Peru. We lived in Lima, Peru for a couple of years. Oh, and there we were discussing with different parents because you've got different families mm-hmm. uh, that have that. Maybe they have kids that they want to learn Spanish and just discussing, how are we going to do this? So I was told the advice I was given, which I didn't mm-hmm. follow, <laughs> the <laughs> advice that I was given at that time was you speak Spanish to him and your husband speak English to him in the home that just stick to that and you'll be mm-hmm. good. Well, my challenge for me my husband was traveling a lot. Mm-hmm. So I felt like if he was not there, no one was speaking English to him, he mm-hmm. wouldn't be learning English. So right. I would speak some English at home. And of course, when we were out and about, there was no way around it. We spoke Spanish. Mm-hmm. So then several years later, we moved back to <laughs> we moved back to the US. And here he is. He is three, about three, almost going on four years old. Mm-hmm. And he understands both languages perfectly. He understands it. And so we put him in a preschool. <laughs> we put him in this preschool and he's there speaking Spanish to the kids. The kids are not understanding. They're speaking English. He would respond in Spanish. He would just get frustrated because he's like, I'm understanding them, but they're right. not getting me. Right. right, so right. Eventually, of course, they it's picked up quick. He learns, mm-hmm. he, he figures it out <laughs> and right, he's right. speaking English, but there's different things in that sometimes for it by, because of being bilingual, you just mm-hmm. don't catch because you understand it. So I love aguacate, right? Agua, we, <laughs> we love some aguacate in our <laughs> family. <laughs> and so he would ask me for water cate, And I was like, 
I understood it. I didn't catch it because aguacate, water, cate. So there were little d- different words that I didn't catch and didn't correct because it just made sense. <laughs> it just made sense. To me. Uh, so eventually, yeah, he lo- he lost the Spanish. Um, then my other, my youngest son was born, and and just trying to teach. I would speak like there's some things that like the bedtime routine that mm-hmm. I always did in Spanish, mm-hmm. siempre en español, and. So that was a good thing because they they know those things. But in terms of me speaking them to Spanish, this challenge for me was like I would speak to them in Spanish. They were respond right. to me in English, and boom, what came out of my mouth? English, English. right? <laughs> and so that was a challenge. So it was. I wish I had heeded that advice that I got early on because it would have stuck as a habit. But mm-hmm. I was so afraid that I he would not learn the other language that I just kind of did my own thing. But I think mm-hmm, once mm-hmm. if you establish that habit and stick to it, I really, really tried to have them speak English or Spanish to me, but it just, it was challenging. Um, but now I, there's the interest there, uh, especially right. with my oldest, he's wanting, he's in inter- international relations. He wants to eventually work oh, in Latin America. So mm-hmm. there's, a, and, and honestly, like his writing academically in Espanol mm-hmm. is a lot better than mine. Like, of course, I left when I was eight years old. <laughs> right, right. Uh, so the, me writing a college paper in Espanol, that's probably not going to fly, but he sends it to me just for me to review. I'm like, are you sure you want me to do this? <laughs> are you well, sure? I, mean, I will do my best. <laughs> uh, but I'm just really, really impressed with his written written uh, skills. That's awesome. And that's the thing is that I think a lot of people don't realize that uh, being bilingual doesn't necessarily mean that you're equally strong in both languages and that you can lose it. Because I will tell you, like, I, I grew up in, in Miami, my first language, because I, I grew up with my parents was Spanish, but I was surrounded by English. Fast forward to when I turned 12, that I moved back to Colombia because my dad wanted us to go to school. I was just surrounded by Spanish. So Spanish became my dominant language. So when I came back after being immersed in Colombia for four years and just Spanish, Spanish, Spanish all the time, that when I came back and started speaking English, it was a little strange to mm. me, like, because I was so used to like, hablando español todo el tiempo, todo el tiempo. And now that I've been back since English is my preferred language of choice. <laughs> and even like last night, I was reading to my daughter. Uh, so we're, we're starting like the chapter books in Espanol. And, you know, we kind of alternate. And I have to have a dictionary because I'm like, what does this mean? I was like, wow, this is like really advanced reading. I'm like, what grade is this? And it was like fifth grade reading or fourth grade reading. But I, I was like, she, so she's so she's so funny. She's like, this is going to take forever. <laughs> That's awesome. so funny. Yeah, it's interesting because and plus, I think, you know, it's one thing to speak. Right. And you can speak ca- casually. But yeah, the other thing when you're trying to understand reading or like I mentioned, me writing a college paper that's not going to fly, it's. It's a, I think it's a different skill set because then you're talking about grammar and vocabulary, right? And speaking, you can just let it fly with your own vocabulary and you'll get by. (laughs) That's like when when we went to Colombia and I was with my extended family. I mean, all they speak is Spanish, right? So they pull out some words and they talk so fast and I'm like, (laughs) see. 
I mean, I get everything, but they use like very articulate words in Spanish and it's very beautiful. And when like in my head, when I do the translation, no me sale, I'm like, I don't know what the word for that is. So, but when they speak it, because they're, they're doing it all the time, it's so beautiful. Mm -hmm. And what I tell parents is that you have to know what your expectations are for yourself and for your children, because like my expectation for my daughter is I just want her to be able to communicate with her abuela. Like mm. I want her to be able to communicate mm. with her abuela, have a conversation. But do I expect her to be a translator at the United Nations? No, <laughs> no. So if she can communicate, si se puede defender, if she goes to Colombia, if she goes to Spain, if she goes to any Spanish speaking country and she can find her way around, she can, you know, order food. She can like, for me, it was I successful? Yes. Is it going to be perfect? Probably not. Pero se va a defender. Can she get a job where she needs, where she can speak Spanish? Yes. So then for me, that's, that's enough for me. But for some parents, you know, maybe they want their child to be fully bilingual and to speak, read, write perfectly. So then it's more, a little bit more of a dedication that you have to do and, and, and time right. investment. Yeah. And I'm right with you. I'm all about just being able to just have that conversation and that fluid conversation. I'm, I mean, would I like to have the perfect, uh, you know, better grammar? Absolutely. I just kind of go with my gut. <laughs> Look, especially when I'm sending text, I, I do make the best effort, especially con mi familia, poner las tildes donde son. I don't do the the with the questions upside down. I'm like, I gave up on that. I'm like, ah, it's, it just well, it's it hard to find out the fun. <laughs> and I'm like, they don't even do it. So why am I going to worry? I'll just worry about the tilde so they know I'm still legit. <laughs> That's too funny. Any final tips for moms listening that are maybe struggling in raising their children to be bilingual? I think just go, go with your gut and just kind of take a moment. Like, for example, my younger one, um, he's definitely very much into Espanol. He'll be like, even mom, no me estás hablando Espanol. No, so Ay, he's, lindo. So me habla Espanol. <laughs> if I respond in English, eso fue en inglés. And I'm like, so he's, he's doing that. So I think you have to take those moments where they express that interest and run with it and yes. really run with it. Uh, that's what I, I think that would be the last thing that I would say and just kind of go with your gut and, and don't be so hard. Cause for a while I was really hard on myself and I'm like, Oh my goodness, I failed my kids. Right. I automatically failed my kids and they don't know Spanish. Cause I saw some other parents that, you know, they, and I was like, how in the world did, you know, they were both the kid, the kids were speaking dual languages, some uh, up to like three languages. I'm like, so I felt like a failure for a long time, but mm -hmm, I think mm -hmm. you just have to go with the flow with your own family dynamics. Your family is your family. They're unique. Uh, they exactly. got their own needs. Just go with the flow and not be so hard on yourself. Maybe at one time they'll express more interest. It just, just do the best you can do because it's, you can't just, it's like trying to get <laughs> And remembering the days when my kids were little and trying to get them to eat and they just wouldn't and just trying to bribe them. And that's no fun. Right. Right. No, no you can't force them and no. you shouldn't force them. Yeah. You don't want them to resent the language. You don't want them to resent you. And uh, you they need to have a reason for them to want to learn exactly. and it has to be exciting for them. So, exactly. so well said, well said. Thank you so much for sharing. Oh, you're welcome. 
The next mom is Christine Tacos Blandino. She was the Latina mom contestant that was on Lego Masters. She was on episode 436, How Lego Masters Changed This Latina Mom's Life. And in this interview, we talk about the importance of getting the family involved in language learning. Check it out. So let's talk a little bit about your daughter and how you're trying to keep those customs of life for her. And uh, the one question I always like to ask the Latina moms on the show is, are you raising your child to be bilingual? Are you at least trying? And tell us about that journey for you. So for me, I married a Caucasian man. So Mm -hmm. I started with him because I kind of need to teach him first. So I started (laughs) off with something as simple as just playing music in the background. Music is something that I've taught to my students, you know, just having international music always in the background. Mm -hmm. It was never kids bop. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't like to listen to the wiggles or any of that. I always put international (laughs) music, you know, lyrics are family friendly or whatever, but just having different rhythms, having different instruments is very important to me. So to be able to evoke that. So always having some music in the background, always trying to uh, expose them. I didn't study Spanish cinema, but um, I took some Spanish classes in college and it was almost like a cinema class. It was mm-hmm. all about independent movies of different uh, Latino American and um, Hispanic cultures. So it was pretty cool to showcase that to him. And so I started very simple by putting postcards all over the house. La lavadora, you know, I, I'd put an English, uh, a sentence in English and in Spanish, and then I'd give a variation of it. And I would just use that. Although my husband doesn't speak Spanish, he definitely understands it. You have to speak to it a little bit slowly, but he's mm-hmm. able to respond a couple times, which is good. Uh, with my daughter, I do the same thing, but I try to just talk more with her in Spanish mm-hmm. in a day-to-day basis. Um, she is trying to learn Spanish. It makes it difficult because when we go to Abuela and Abuelos, they practice their English with her. Well, you know. <laughs> no <laughs> you didn't do it like that for me it wasn't like that so I was like no no you know stay with your stay with the grandparents yeah yeah they, you'll come back speaking Spanish no 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 they are talking in English to her oh and she, no <laughs> uh, so that makes it a little difficult but you know once again we still keep the postcards around the house you know I um very young age I would say I've always had a large library for her so once again before you know, teaching her, I would showcase these books to my husband, I would showcase the books to before I got into engineering to the preschoolers that Mm -hmm. I used to teach, you know, I would just try and just be a way of life just because where I was teaching, you know, it was predominantly Caucasian kids. So I just wanted to give them just another perspective on on literature. So I think the literature part is is very important just because kids they do like to read. They do mm-hmm. like to be read to. So just hearing different folklore, you know, uh, fairy tales, you know, in, in a different perspective, mm-hmm. I think is very important, especially to the imagination. I love that you're the first mom out of so many moms that have interviewed that started teaching your husband Spanish. I love that. <laughs> hey, it's, it's, you know, he, like you said it there first before you daughter. I love that. I had, to, I had to, you know what I mean? Because it's who we are. It's embedded. It's how we're going to respond naturally. Whatever's inside you, when you shake mm-hmm. it up, that's what's going to come out. Mm-hmm. So I want it to come out and him and the children that I taught to be able to understand where I'm coming from. That way, if I don't introduce it to them and then all of a sudden something happens to me and it comes out, it doesn't come out in a way that's lashing out. They understand Mm -hmm. it. They're more more sympathetic towards it. 
I think it's really important. My father-in-law, he picked up on how I once had reprimanded my daughter in Spanish mm. versus in English. Mm -hmm. And he's like, oh, that could come off as a negative connotation. I'm like, bingo, that mm -hmm. right there is, is a gold nugget. So I, I try and correct her in English and in Spanish, but mm -hmm. reminding myself, I have to be careful how I do respond because right. life is, you know, how we do respond to every Mm -hmm. situation. So I always tell parents that you want to make sure that your child, when you're teaching them Spanish, that they associate Spanish with something positive and a positive emotion, because yeah. you don't want them to resent it. You don't exactly. want them to hold it, quote, against you. Yeah. Uh, you want them to like it. And it's not something that you necessarily teach, but it's just part of your life, you know, your lifestyle. So I homeschool, by the way. Oh, um, okay. <clears throat> so not only do I homeschool next, this is my last year homeschooling her. She's in first grade next year. I'm, I'm going to put her into an immersion school to help with speaking Spanish. And that is when they mm. speak Spanish half the day and the other half the days in English. So it's oh, awesome. Uh, that's so that is something that, you know, like it's hard for me to do with work and family life and her practicing English with my parents, you know, I, I still wanted to push, you know, speaking Spanish. So yeah, next year it's officially, hopefully that'll, that'll make a huge change. Oh, I love that. And is that going to be out there in, in Rhode Island? They have, a, they have an immersion school there. That's yeah. wonderful. Any, any particular tips or recommendations for moms listening that are raising or trying to raise bilingual children that uh, you would encourage, or maybe by default of something that's happened to you? So um, I consider language and music and dancing all like math. Sometimes mm -hmm. it's easier for people to pick it up and sometimes it's not. It's mm -hmm. easier for certain people to pick up languages like that. So not limiting, but exposing your, your kids more to other cultures, not only Hispanic culture, you know, Asian culture, you know what I mean? Yes, it's, we want our kids to talk, to talk Spanish. We know we, we want that. But if you make it the only focus Sometimes it kind of runs dry and we can sometimes become bitter towards it. So having the other cultures exposure as well can kind of help unlock certain things. Something as finding a lot of similarities between us and Portuguese and Brazilian folks, mm -hmm. um, Italian folks, French folks, how the Latin can cross over and how mm -hmm. positive that can be because it, it allows us just to connect more. So that to me is super important. Uh, something as simple as the music, just listening to the rhythms and understanding where a lot of these instruments come from and how a lot of the stuff that we have become is out of survival. I learned the other day that certain box braids for certain cultures, like in Colombia, were more relating with escape routes for uh, people who were in slavery. You know, it just just really understanding mm -hmm. the history behind mm -hmm. of a lot of the things that we wear and that we do, even phrases, just trying to go back and just studying a little bit. If your child's like, oh, why do you say dale, you know, versus andale, you know, it's like, oh, actually, why do I say dale? Yes. You know what I mean? So I think it's, un it's important to just go back and revisit our own roots for our own understanding as to mm -hmm. why we do things, um, I think is important. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. 
The next mom on my list is Sandra Velasquez. She was in episode 439, Nopalera founder, and how she's built a seven-figure cultural business. In this interview, she shares her guilt of only speaking Spanish to her daughter as a young child and how she's now blossoming into her own identity. Check it out. Let's fast forward to when you have your daughter. Do you make a decision that, like your parents, you're going to raise her que hable español? Mm-hmm. Or are you just more carefree? Well, you know, we'll, we'll sort of figure it out. How, how did that work? I initially only taught her Spanish. So she only spoke Spanish for the first three years of her life. And then when she went to pre-K, she didn't know what was happening. <laughs> she couldn't understand <laughs> anything because every everyone was speaking English. And then I felt terrible. Like, oh God, I should have, you know, um, taught her both. Mm-hmm. But obviously she learned English very quickly. Kids learn very quickly. And then she kind of, you know, like what's very normal is once you learn English, then that's what everyone else is speaking. They just want to speak English all the time. And so I think I became a little more lax of not forcing her to speak Spanish in the house. Cause I really, in the beginning, I really, when she went to pre-K and kindergarten, I wanted her to catch up and mm-hmm. speak English. We had a good thing going with my mom where my mom pretended she didn't speak English for mm-hmm. the first couple of years and so <laughs> was forced to speak Spanish to her grandmother. But now she knows obviously that her grandmother speaks English. So I would say that now I've become a little lax with it, but I know that it's in her because it was mm-hmm. in her for several years and she grew up hearing it all the time. And, you know, even myself, I was, you know, forced to speak Spanish as a child. And then I think for many years, I feel like I didn't, but then now I do, because it's so in, if you learn it early, I feel like it's in there and it can always be recovered. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it also depends on, I guess every person is different because there are people that experience what what's called language attrition. And that's when they, uh, for lack of not using it, they just forget, forget the language. Or I've interviewed moms that haven't spoken Spanish and maybe they went back to their home country and all of a sudden it just came back and and they like automatically knew how to speak it, which is very interesting. Mm -hmm. Uh, Where is your daughter now in terms of of Spanish? Is it something that she looks forward to? Uh, Is it something that she dreads now that she's a teenager? How is that dynamic? Um, she is now like an advanced Spanish class in high school. Oh. So she has to speak it, but I think she kind of finds it a little easy, which mm-hmm. is I guess good. Good. Right? Yeah. So she's, you know, she still hears it, you know, and I live in New York where it's, it's a lot of people here speak Spanish, you know, so it's, it's still around her. And, um, but in school, she's, you know, it's one of her classes. So she has homework in it. She has to speak it in class. It, I think she could, al- it could almost be even more challenging for her. Like, I think they could, she could, it could be even harder. <laughs> oh, that's great. Now, does she identify as Latina or does she feel more American? I think she feels more American also because she inherited a lot of her father's features. And so she has, she's very light skin. She has like very light hair. And so I think that she just, you know, her father's Brazilian though. So she, you know, even though she's half Mexican, half Brazilian, she's very light and she's very, you know, mm-hmm. she has like dirty blonde hair. I don't know if I even identified as Latina when I was her age, it would, it didn't come until later because mm-hmm. also when you're growing up, you're just who you are, you know, and, and right. you all, you're in that space where people tell you who you are. Mm-hmm. You haven't yet like stepped into the confidence to understand that you get to decide how you identify mm-hmm. and growing up near the border. It didn't matter if you were born in the United States, you were considered Mexican. If you're, mm-hmm. if you, were, you know, my name is Sandra Velasquez and my parents <laughs> look Mexican. So therefore I'm Mexican. That's how, right. that's how that worked when I was growing up. And so it's not till later that you really step in and start to identify. I think she identifies as kind of just American now, but that's because she's in high school and mm-hmm. you know, you're, everyone's just trying to fit in. Right. Any tips for any Latina moms listening that perhaps have children that they want to raise uh, to speak Spanish? Any tips for them? I think that 
speaking it in the house, I think, you know, listening to, to, to music with in Spanish, I think just surrounding yourself with it and just normalizing it because that's how I grew up. You know, my parents would listen to cumbia. People would come over. They were speaking Spanish. My mother was talking, you know, speaking Spanish to her sister on the phone. It just becomes normal. It's everywhere. It, it doesn't feel like a big deal because it's just normal. It's like, doesn't everyone speak Spanish, right? It's you just normalize it later on. Like no one is ever mad that they speak more than one language when they're older. Yes. <laughs> so you have to like, no one is ever mad that they learn how to play the piano. No one is mad that they know how to speak more than one language. So, you know, children don't always appreciate it in the moment, but you know, that's why you're their parents. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes. so just infuse it, you know, into, into life, into your daily life. I love that. Yes. I always say make Spanish part of your lifestyle. Oh yeah, absolutely. Sandra, thank you so much for all of those tips. As we close another year here at the Latina Mom Legacy, it is my hope to continue to inspire you and motivate you to continue your bilingual parenting journey. Know that your decision to raise a bilingual child que hable español will bring so much value into your child's life. But remember, it's not just about the language. It's about cultura, hopes, and dreams, and a desire to pave the way for the next generation. Que crezcan orgullosos de sus raíces y de todo lo que hemos luchado para un mejor mañana. Que tengas una muy feliz Navidad y próspero año nuevo. May your new year be filled with love, laughter, salud, prosperidad, and yes, mucho español. See you next year. Chao, chao. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Latina Mom Legacy podcast. Como siempre, mil gracias. And if you'd like to connect with me, you can find me on Instagram at the Latina Mom Legacy or at mi legacy spelled M-I-L-E-G-A-S-I. You can also sign up for La Lista and stay up to date with everything that's going on by simply clicking on the show notes in your podcast platform or visit thelatinamomlegacy.com and click on today's episode. You'll also find links to today's recommendations and show special. Finally, want to support this podcast? The best way to show your support is to write a review. Reviews are a way the podcast can get visibility and empower other moms like you to connect, create, and carry on our Latinx heritage. Un beso, un abrazo, y hasta la próxima. Ciao, ciao. What do you want your legacy to be?